City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help. From fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome into this edition of The Stinger. Joining me, just two of us today, Richie Randall from BuzzBeat. Richie, how you doing? Doing good. How about yourself? I am doing well. I, I realized when I was prepping for this podcast, I invited you on the worst week after Man United just lost to Arsenal 3-2 in like one of the games of the season. And I thought I better preemptively bring it up first before you use it against me. So get in, get in your bragging now. I, I wasn't going to bring it up. I wasn't going to bring it up, but now that you have, um, yeah, it was a very good game. Very good game. It felt like kind of like the, uh, the first match where Arsenal felt like they were kind of in control a little bit more. Um, but you know, that going down one goal to nothing, I was like, oh my gosh, Arsenal's either going to come out with a tie or a loss in this situation. But they battled back, and that one goal by Rashford was awesome, and that goal by Saka mm-hmm. was was just as good, if not better. And, um, you know, we, we got lucky there at the end with the VAR. I, you know, it, it was inches, inches <sighs> away, so... That really hurt, I have to say. That was a painful one. I'm actually I'm actually going to United uh, this weekend. One of my friends, his business has, like, an executive box... Uh-huh. And because it's a, an FA Cup fourth round tie, the people who normally use it don't, and they had spare. So I got asked if I want to go. So we got a three course meal, box to watch the game from. It's going to be a good time. But um, yeah, I will try and use that and the free bar that provided to try and numb myself to thinking about the Arsenal game last weekend. Because I was thinking, right, we're going to be right in the title race. We can overtake City, and then mm-hmm. then you just take it all away from us. But um, the the Charlotte Hornets have not been successful as Arsenal or. Manchester United this year and um that's that's gonna be a little bit of our topic conversation today we're just gonna kind of go a little bit uh looking just like trying to create content and podcasts and cover a team during such a challenging year um I, I've not spoken to you about it yet so I'm interested to hear your thoughts but then also gonna get some of your thoughts on Mitch Kupchak's draft record and also the Steve Cliff Steve Clifford minutes earned versus giving minutes philosophy really so should be about half an hour. 
a um, couple of things to get through, but we don't need to labor how poor the Hornets have been and what everything's gone wrong. But just personally, Richie, how have you found it this year covering it in terms of like the level of enjoyment uh, compared to, I mean, how many years you've been doing bus meet now? I think six. Yeah. Okay. So for the last six years, how's, how's this one ranking out for you? I mean, I think it's definitely on the bottom as the least enjoyable year in, in covering this team. And to me, it's not just the record, you know, being a bottom three team and destined for a top four pick if the ping pong balls uh, go the Hornets direction. But I do think it all stems from this offseason where it just felt like one thing after another was going wrong for this organization. And I had to like take a step back and just like review what happened like over the offseason because so many things happened back to back to back. So between Atkinson agreeing to be the next head coach and then a week later he backs out. Then you have the NBA draft that's going on and the Hornets, most people think that they handled it poorly in terms of how they used or I guess didn't use their two first round picks. And I'd, I'd agree with that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a little bit more in Charlotte's control, but they had no idea that a week later that Miles Bridges would be arrested for domestic violence, which happened to be on the day before free agency, which basically halted any kind of plans that they could have had to surround him with other free agents. So going into this season, James, I, I just kind of knew that this roster, that the situation was one dealt a bad hand and it just felt like the the vibes and, and the good feelings surrounding this team were off. I never expected them to be maybe this bad uh, because there were some injuries along the way and some of the misdiagnosis of players and players coming back too early. Uh, so when you kind of factor that into everything, uh, yeah, this has not really been an enjoyable one to cover. How about yourself? Um, I, I think this has been the most difficult year for quite a while. Um, I'm, I'm thinking all the way back to the, probably like the early days with not the seven and 59 season, but even like the season straight after that with like Kemba and Biz were, were pretty tough, probably 2013, 2014 before Kemba really took the jump. Um, that's where I probably land. You got like the, the France Kaminsky draft and stuff like that coming after where, you lose all those seasons and you end up with like Frank Kaminsky, Noah Vonley, and you're, you're questioning where things are going. I, I I think big picture, this shouldn't feel as bad because you have Lamelli Ball, right? And mm. for years, the, the Hornets or the Bobcats were always the team that like, they never had the one guy who could hang the hat on. Like the Timberwolves were rubbish, but they always had Carl Anthony Towns. And no matter what, you couldn't take that away from them. And that's the hardest thing to get. But I, I agree with everything that happened in the off season, I mean, you didn't even mention the whole James Puck Knight situation. Uh, it, it's been a really difficult time. And I mean, I know fans have struggled to watch it. Uh, that's clear. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know you tweeted last night, should I watch the Phoenix Suns game or should I watch it today? W- what did you decide to do in the end? Uh, spoiler, I did not watch it last night. <laughs> and I, I find myself doing that a whole lot more this year, more mm-hmm. so the West Coast games. And it's like, do I really want to stay up for this game where I know the result and everything like that, or just save me some sleep and, and watch it the next day? So I, I would say probably a handful of games I've done that this year. Yeah. And it's the it's because the social environment, like online, and you're probably like me, you'll you'll on Twitter during the game. It's just not a, like an enjoyable place. And there's a lot of there's a lot of very strong takes being thrown around and it's hard to discuss anything with any nuance and it's not an, an enjoyable environment. Right. And, you know, I've been 
watching the games back and record the next day and it takes me you know an hour less time because you have all the adverts cut out um but yeah it's just like it's hard enough just to watch the game to then have to write articles and do podcasts about them uh it's it's been a real challenge how have you like the buzzbeat crew how have you tried to like change your approach to, to covering the team at all this year? Like, is, is that, have you changed what you've done? Have you had conversations about that? We've had conversations about it. And, you know, sometimes you don't want to try to do too much or try to do something that's just not in your niche. Like I just, I'm, I've always been an on the court type of guy when it comes to covering the Hornets. If you listen to the podcast or follow me on Twitter, very much a player trend, team trend, X's and O's, strategy type of guy. So I, I don't know if I've changed it up that much, but it does kind of feel weird when you're talking about how on a random Wednesday night that the Hornets somehow slowed down Giannis. Sure, but the team is still a bottom three team in the league. Uh, in terms of covering the team from a post-game and pre-game media appearances, it feels like I'm doing less of that. You know, I do enjoy listening to some of the coach interactions and the player interactions, but we've had a chat about this before that we just, we don't have the ability to ask questions this season. And there are some questions that I would want answered, but, you know, because I can't ask them, uh, they don't get answered. And the thing with BuzzBeat is like, we we know that we have a wide range of fans and, and we try to keep it entertaining as possible. You know, that there's some out there that are already looking to the draft. They're already looking to the off season and we want to get into that, but we don't want to start that too early. And then you've got yeah. the trade rumors that are coming about. So we have to hit on that. And then there are still a few fans. Like I, I know there are that are so worried about the wins and losses and the on the court action that they want the Hornets to win every single game. And so they care about that type of stuff. So we've kind of have to bring everything uh, when it comes to all that different type of stuff. But I don't know if I've changed too much on Twitter other than just being a little more inactive. Yeah, I understand that. And I think the, the last time we actually spoke on a podcast was late summer, right? And I came on Buzzbeat and I remember talking to you about wanting to do the gap year. That's what I thought should happen. You, you're asking like, what, you know, how does this gap year work? And I don't think the Hornets have tried to do a gap year. I think they've tried to win and it's just gone terribly. Um, but I do think big picture... I know from listening to your show, this is what a lot of your your guys and myself have probably been like calling for over a while is like to to not just stay around that playing area and to either be really bad or really good. And I think big picture this year is potentially going to be, I mean, we never don't know how the lottery ball is going to play out, but irrelevant, even if they fall down to pick number four, I still think they're better long-term to go through that this year than to to be finishing like the Washington Wizards are right now and, I don't know, pick round 12, 13. The result might not be great, but I still think it would be better process. I don't think they've done the process on purpose, but I do feel like Hornet, a lot of Hornets fans call for the rebuild, the rebuild. We need to, let's just throw this year away. And then those very said same fans are then complaining about the on-court products and <laughs> are complaining about all those various things. It's like, well, yeah, because the team sucks and like at the same time, we've all said the best thing would be to get a top five record. And it's not easy. You look at Philadelphia, like Sam Hinkie got driven out of town because of what he tried to do. And the, you know, the coaches, the players, they don't survive that. But you look where they are now, you could argue they could be in a better place, but they still have Joel Embiid. They had Ben Simmons, you know, who they're able to trade away and get James Harden. Um, it, it did help them down the line, 
but it's a it's a bumpy process through it. Yeah, the fans can't have it both ways like that. And I've I've seen people like that on Twitter where they're criticizing the team or, or you know wondering why they're so bad, but by the same breath, they're wanting the team to kind of rebuild. And if you if you want that rebuild, you you've got to be able to stick through the the hard conversations and the hard uh, watching uh, of the Hornets. Yeah. And you know, like you said, I don't know if the Hornets purposely did this uh, because it seems like they're trying to win, and, and Clifford is, you know, putting out lineups and rotations that feels like the most competitive, you know, with air quotes here. But yeah, you know, I I am also a big believer that uh, the team success will also you know drive our content as well. So. We just keep telling ourselves, be patient. Maybe the Hornets will turn this around in a couple of years and, uh, you know, more followers will, will kind of come our way. Well, you look at the Kings, okay? Look at the Kings this year. It's the perfect example. They have been just every part as bad as the, the Charlotte franchise for the last 15 years and kind of a little bit out of nowhere, like they are fourth in the West and there is like a great feeling around the team. I mean, it's not too dissimilar, if I'm being honest, to like this time last season. I think I checked the Hornets were like 28 and 22 at one point last year. And, you know, they were the best watch in the league. Eric Collins is great. The Melly Ball and Miles Bridges. It's just so shocking how quickly things can change in, in the, the NBA and basketball environment. Uh, you mentioned about the draft, and this is something I think is really interesting because I think we've had listeners like, we want draft podcasts. We, you know, who's good for the Hornets to pick? But uh, like you, you don't want to get into that too early because when the season finishes in April, you've then got basically two months of draft content, right? And if you do all your podcasts about who are the top five guards, top five wings, who are the best fit for the Hornets, like if you do all that now, you just don't, you like, you start repeating yourself come April, May. And also we don't even know where they're picking and that like commands so much of everything. So I, I, I agree with like with your, your point on the draft. It's really difficult because you do want to look forward, but, as kind of content creators or podcasters or analysts, we, we you know, we've got to stick to the schedule. We've got to remember we do have 30 something games left, even though we'd prefer to fast forward them. Yeah, it, it, it would get repetitive, but I just know that my co-hosts are like chomping at the bit to talk about these draft <laughs> prospects. <Hold> them back. <laughs> I'm sure they'll start earlier than maybe I would like. And uh, maybe some people in the North Carolina area, because it's so college basketball heavy, they might enjoy that type of stuff. Uh, but to your point, it could get repetitive if you start like right now. So, but again, same token, this is kind of getting repetitive talking about the Hornets on a night in and night basis in terms of uh, very know, true. What, what they're doing on the court. So, no, it's, it's very true. It, if, are you looking to do anything kind of different for the second half of the year? Like, I, I mean, we, we've kind of moved, we used to like try and talk about how they've looked the last three or four games. We're just kind of leaning away from that right now because I don't, I don't think. They are like podcasts can be like group therapy sessions to some extent, right? Where where you can come in and moan about the issues. But at the same time, we don't want to just be always like negative. We want to be able to try and look for the positive things, look for the flashes, you know, the Mark Williams showings and the things of that nature. Um, but yeah, we, we're generally trying to look more big picture and go away from just a game recaps. And, and maybe that's like I say, I'm probably less X's and O's than, than you, I think. Um, just in terms of how like I've, I follow the game and analyze the game and I probably enjoy like leaning into those other storylines more looking at the, you know, the trade deadline is a bit of a gift really, because it's given us so many things to look at and the Hornets should be active with, we think. 
Yeah. And I like listening to that type of stuff, but I, I for whatever reason, like I just kind of lean towards the game recaps and the on court stuff, big yeah. picture stuff. I, I do like, and like, you know, participating and, and chatting about, but I feel like each one of the co-hosts on Buzzbeat has like a special like area that they kind of focus on. And, you know, Spencer, for example, he's more of like the big picture stuff, the trade rumors and all that type of stuff. And then you've got Brian Lee who like the college basketball. And then, you know, we, we do talk about some of the big picture and, and try to keep it positive. And that, that's why I want to see some of these young players play a little bit more. So we have more to talk about, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know how we're going to switch it up. We're just going to keep on putting out more content and, uh, give our audience as many avenues to pick up the stuff that they like to listen to, because I know that there is a variety of listeners out there. Yeah. Well, keep it up uh, because, you know, every, every season there seem to be, you know, we have victims where they disappear of content and all of a sudden a weekly episode becomes bi-weekly and monthly and then things slow down and we, you know, we want Buzzbeat to continue. So yeah, hope you guys keep it up. Definitely. Hey James, do you feel like your interaction on Twitter have gone down this year? Ooh, that's a good question. Mine has. That is a good question. Um, I don't know. I would maybe say not for me. Interesting. But I think the per follower interaction has. I think I've been very lucky that in the last probably year, I probably gained about 1,500 followers, right? So if I compare it back to last year, I just have more people that seem to engage. But I actually think like, there are accounts who I engage with a lot in the past who don't engage anymore. That's true. Like, and I know some people who were doing content for our website. Uh, like there was a Hornets film room was a great account. He used to be really active and like, just, Oh yeah, you know, things happen and, and disappeared. So I definitely think there is less talk online. And a, and a lot of the talk that currently does exist is just very cynical and very negative, which i I, if you've sat through 40 something of these games so far, I, I can understand it, but I also think people need to step back from like the in the moment emotional takes and which I, fans do that, right? I shouldn't say they have to step back. They were within the right to do that. But from like a big picture analysis, I think it's important. I don't get caught up in that. Yeah. I just feel like I, sometimes I tweet out stuff that, that I feel is insightful mm. and I get like eight likes and four retweets. And then somebody like, I'm not going to name names, but like, they'll just, tweet out something very basic and it gets hundred likes, 45 retweets. I'm just like, man, how do they get this type of engagement? And I, and I want, I want to see that for, you know, not just our podcast, but for me, because like you said, we're going to have to try to get creative yeah. on this back half of the year. So. Yeah. I think you're absolutely like you, you tweet out a GIF of a tank with the Hornets logo on and it'll get like <laughs> 150 likes and you like broken down like an X's and O's clip and like a play they like. And it's, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe that's something about, the younger generation I, I i don't know i when you say cool. the younger generation i yeah. i don't know but anyway let's you talked about the the minutes thing and that's one of the things i wanted to talk to you about steve clifford and i'm sure you've heard this by now had a big kind of post-game answer to uh in the press conference about minutes earned versus the gifting minutes for young players and players improving without playing time and I was curious, it's probably one of the most divisive things there are right now in the Hornets fan community. Where do you stand on that, like the Houston model versus the kind of current Charlotte model? If you were to ask me like which one I lean towards, like minutes earned versus gifting minutes, I think normally speaking, I, I lean towards you've got to earn your minutes. And I think that young players that 
seem promising from the draft that just want to get out there on the court. They do have to learn what it takes to be a professional, what it takes to make it an NBA, and maybe experiencing some kind of adversity would make them a better player in the long run. And if you can't deal with that, maybe you weren't cut out for the NBA anyway. I do think when factoring in this type of question, though, you do have to consider the direction of the team. And I think that matters a lot, especially for this season. It's it's hard to answer that question completely because of where the team is. You can't you know, you can't help but look down the road and you see your, you know, the prize of the draft lottery right now. So I think, you know, by playing those younger players, you're, you're going to get to that spot a little bit quicker, mm-hmm. but also you're going to also evaluate them and, and see where they're at. And, and if they do need to make any changes for this upcoming offseason, the Hornets roster is interesting because I've been a big proponent of playing Nick Richards and Mark Williams, probably like you are or most people do. But with the way that Plumlee has earned his minutes and is playing very hard and uh, he's producing probably one of his best seasons of his career, it's kind of hard to justify that switch, especially with the way that Clifford coaches. But to the same point, I feel like when Mark and Nick have been out there, they've also earned those minutes as well. So, you know, they've, they've kind of been on this sporadic, like rotation between the backup centers. And it's weird, kind of isn't it? it's, 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 it's weird. bizarre. I mean, just center position generally last. Can you imagine if we got this level of center play like in last season's team? Like it was the big weakness all last year, right? For the last two seasons as the center play. And then this season, the team is terrible. And the center play, like generally, is like three players deep who you think could do a solid job. It's just been and the the the, the Nick Mark rotating. I mean, it's the most anti-Clifford thing ever. Clifford is about like routine, structure. Yes. You know you're gonna play 18 minutes every single night. And then he's like just flipping them out a game at a t- it's it just shows, I think, the it's just a, a very uncomfortable situation right now it must be for those guys i'm just hoping by the trade deadline that that situation takes care of itself yeah i think that's what it comes down to is just how you would handle the personnel on this team and i know it's easier said than done but charlotte needs to get off some of those players that played little role into the future of this team it'd be one thing it'd be one thing if this team was fighting for a playoff spot and mason Plumlee playing a big role in that but even with his success this season this team is this team is nowhere so Yeah, I'm not advocating that Clifford goes out there and just says, hey, if you're a first round pick, you're playing and like. But, you know, if Bryce McGowan's is a better option than James Booknight, which he is right now, play Bryce. If Richards happens to have a stretch of where he's performing better than Mark Williams, then then play Richards. So ultimately, it's a tough balance because of where this team is. But I typically lean you need to earn your minutes. It's just. The fact that some of these veterans on this team, like Plumlee and Ubre, Ubre's out, obviously, but they're blocking some of the younger guys. So you just never get to experience that. Yeah. I I completely get it if I'm a fan. In a in a lost season, the only thing that you can really take any joy from, like Plumlee could probably put up 20 and 10 for the rest of the season. I don't think fans would find that exciting. Because, well, what does it mean? He's probably going to be gone in the offseason. And if you re-sign him, then he's what a 30 plus year old center who's like had one good year and you just drafted first round picks. It's I would complete as a fan, I want to just see young people. I want to see little clips that here and there you can pick out and go, wow, look what Kai Junes Kai Junes can do. Like he can switch on to someone, pick a pocket and run the length of the floor and do a dunk. Like that's a that's an incredible thing. But 
if I was coaching the team, if I was involved in the coaching staff, I would absolutely be doing what Clifford is doing. And I think that's the difference here. We are a lot of fans who are watching the game. They're, they're not like actually invested in these guys like success long-term. They're not involved in making them men and making them understand how the NBA works and developing them as players. I, I can understand they just want to see the young guys play. And if they go out and lose by 50, they go out and lose by 50. But for a coaching staff, that's when you're in like living this every single day, putting the hours in that the staff do, it's very hard to just sit back and like bench all your vets and just force feed young guys minutes. And it affects your credibility as a coach, like mm -hmm. with players around the league. So I think it's a lot easier to say when you're sitting at home watching it. And I would be, if I, you know, if I was just a casual fan, I would be sitting there saying the same thing. But I think when people really actually like delve into the detail and put themselves in the position of the coach, I think they can understand why they take the approach that they do. Yeah, I mean, he has a job to do, and um, he's probably wondering about his future with the team. I don't know if Clifford is the guy for the future in terms of like how he would handle a team that was a little bit younger. Let's say if the Hornets do bottom out and get a top two pick and things start to shift around next offseason and Plumlee's out of the situation and Ubre's out of the situation, I don't know how Clifford would, would handle that. Mm. Interesting to see, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's got a job to do. And, and to your point, James, you, you put it exactly on the point. You know, he's got to do what he's got to do to make this team competitive. And his reputation is on the line as a coach. Yeah. And I'm, I'm torn, as I say, because I remember when Clifford left the first time and Borrego took over, all of a sudden, all these young players are just thrown into the rotation. And PJ Washington is starting at power forward as a rookie. And it's, it was so refreshing. And I remember watching it going, wow, we actually get to like see the young guys play and we get to analyze them rather than like, having to judge off three and a half minutes of garbage time, like at the end of a game. And I, I remember feeling like this would never have happened under Steve Clifford. And I'm, I'm, I'm just thrilled to like have a coach who is willing to take that chance. But you maybe fast forward like three, four years down the line. And there's been various things that suggested like James Borrego didn't have maybe the most professional team in terms of like their approach, like the leadership within the organization, the accountability among players, you know, stories that leaked out here and there. And everyone's saying, well, the, the team need a vet, the team need a vet. Well, maybe if he, those some of the same young players were held accountable earlier on in the Hornets career, like Steve Clifford is now trying to do, they set a higher standard and some of the things the players were getting away with and doing don't happen. So I, I also think that's a factor in Steve Clifford being this way because he's been brought in with a remit of, you need to get control of this situation in Charlotte because our young players are for the summer, you know, we got some issues. We need to get that under control. We need to get them to, to kind of really have some accountability. And by gifting out playing time, that's not going to help that situation. There's got to be a way that they can combine Borrego and Clifford into one coach. Some of the, oh, some of the good qualities of both. It's called Steve Kerr, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. The NFL playoff picture is locked in and my go-to place for wild card around action is DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wild card around this weekend only. Just place any NFL bet of your choice and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good, why would you bet anywhere else from the NFL playoffs? I'm going to rock 
with the Giants this week. I know the Vikings minus three, but you look back at that game a few weeks ago, if it wasn't for like a blocked punt and some weird like game things that you just don't normally happen, Giants, I think, win that game and have a little bit of momentum, have a feel-good crowd, um, you know, fan base is loving it, coaching staff, players are full of confidence. So I'm rocking the Giants this weekend. So if you want to join, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Please see the show notes for details. Um, okay, let's move on to our last last segment here. Like kind of five minutes to go. Mitch Kupchak. Richie, is he a good drafter when it comes to GM? I, I feel like within the Hornets community and within the draft community that we we think Mitch Kupchak is a, a good drafter of talent. And I want to ask you whether that is the case or if maybe not. And I'm going to run through his drafting history a little bit here. So in 2018, he had Miles Bridges, uh, he said Miles Bridges 12th, I believe. And, but obviously they traded out the Shea, Chai, Gilgis, Alexander pick. They had Devonta Graham in the second round on Aldous Kolboka really late. Then the next year, 2019, PJ Washington 12th, Cody Martin 36th, Mel- uh, sorry, Cody Martin 36th. And Jalen McDaniels, 52nd, really good draft, okay? All, like, solid rotation players. 2020, LaMelo Ball, third. You can give him credit for that, but let's be honest. Like, they were yeah. picking whichever of those guys, yeah. Wiseman, Edwards, whoever dropped to them. I, I don't know how much credit you can give. There was such a gap between the rest there, of the players. There wasn't a decision. There wasn't a decision. Yeah. 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 After that, that's where it really takes a turn. Mm-hmm. Vernon Carey in the second round, Grant Rilla, James Bucknight, Kai Jones, JT Thor, Scotty Lewis, Mark Williams, and Bryce McGowan's. We've now got four years of drafting history from 18 to 22. Where are you? Where are you grading Mitch Kupchak as a drafter? Like on an A to F scale? Yeah, on an A to F scale. Golly. See. Here's the, here's the one thing, and I'll, I'll get to my grade here in a second. I'm not a draft guy, so in the moment, it's very hard for me to evaluate, you know, was that a good draft pick? Was that not a good draft pick? Secondly, I, I, I don't think in the moment matters, right? Like, we can no. all give draft draft day grades, but what, actually what you've seen as a, like an X's and O's NBA, that's more important than, on yeah. you know, on draft night. So I think that's why I want to ask you, because I think you're the perfect person to ask. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's easy to sit back five years later and, and kind of play the what if game, but I guess that's how you are judged. I mean, you you are judged yeah. by you know three, four years down the road. So if if taking all this into consideration, I think he's done a good job of finding these hidden gems in the second round. Now, whether he's lucked into them, whether it's just happened to be that these players have just gelled with the coaching staff and that's why they've taken off, like Devontae Graham and Cody Martin and Jalen McDaniels like 2019 was definitely his best draft of his tenure, but also by the same token, his more recent drafts, there's been some misses. There've been some misuses of the draft picks. So if I were to give him a grade, maybe I'm a little bit generous, but I, I would give him a C plus James. I, I think it's just because of the second round picks is kind of elevating his status while some of the first round picks, especially in the most more recent years have dropped it down. Now, the to be honest with you, the Bridges SGA thing, like 
I think for the first couple of years, first several years, they were probably neck and neck in terms of production. They were. And yeah, I mean, and obviously Bridges is not playing this season, but, you know, you got SGA probably in the conversation for the top five, top 10 players in the MVP. He won't win it because of the team's record, but he's in the conversation. And you don't draft for need because this is always something that I've said, but I do wonder if the Hornets had traded Kimba prior to that season or at some point prior to that season, would Charlotte have been more willing to keep SGA? And we all know that that was the same season that the Hornets or Charlotte hosted the all-star game. And everyone talks about, Oh, can't trade Kimba in that year because there's a possibility that he could be an all-star in that hometown. So yeah, there's been there's been some misses, but I would say that the second round gems have been his best, I guess, you know, attribute for, for Mitch. So is, is C plus too generous? No, I, I think a lot of people will go a lot higher. When you were saying yeah. that you were gonna be generous here, I was thinking you were gonna go in like the B territory. I I think I would like a straight C. I think he's been fine. Um the, I think the the Miles Bridges shy one is one that's probably talked about maybe not enough. And I think that's probably because we didn't see the player that Shy has emerged into. Like he was always like a good player. Like, oh, he's, he's you know, he could be an all-star one day. So now you're like, well, he could be the best player on a playoff team. Um, so I think that's that's one for me. And especially with how the Bridges situation has turned out in the last year, um, it's definitely been a shocker. I think, but I think you're absolutely right in those second rounds. You know, the Jalen McDaniels, Cody Martin second round, and I think Bryce McGowan's as well, Devontae Graham. Those are some really high value second round picks. Like they would all probably go in the first round now in a in a redraft. Um I th- that's definitely where there's Vernon Kerry was obviously the the issue. Nick Richards, I didn't mention him earlier, sorry, but Nick Richards is gonna like looks a pretty solid second round pick. Yeah. Um but I, I there is I do feel there is a push from the fan was like, don't worry, we'll go into the draft and Mitch will, Mitch will nail it. And I'm like, well, the top of the draft, it's, it's not been really easy apart from when like Lamella Ball fell into their lap. Other than that, I don't think it's been a slam dunk by any means. And I mean, I hated the the Duran trade last year for what is basically going to be almost like five second round picks. Did you did you hate the trade because you wanted Jalen Duran or did you just hate the trade because they should have used both picks? Both. I did want Jalen Duran, um, and I would have then used, I well, I would have either used fifteen on someone else, or I would have gone, screw it, we'll take Jalen Duran, we'll take Mark Williams, and we will figure out which one is better. Like it's a two swings, two swings at it basically, and I would have moved one of Richards or Plumley, and you have both those guys in your roster. I, I I don't see the reason why the team couldn't do that. It's not something NBA teams generally do. I know, but. I would have been perfectly happy, but like AJ Griffin, Tari Eason would have been guys who I would have probably targeted really if they'd kept the, both those picks. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of side with you there being both, but I, I do think I lean more towards the fact that even if your preference was Mark Williams, even if your preference was Jalen Duran, I think not using both of those picks was probably the worst mistake in this past draft. And I'm looking back at the 2022 and the 2021 draft and I'm trying to decide which one, like looking back on it, probably the 2021 was worse. Do you have a preference? No preference. Do you have do you have a, a thought on that? <laughs> I which between 21 and 22? Yeah, the one with James Booknight or the one that just happened. Yeah, I think it has to be 21. I mean yeah. okay. 
I think it has to be the James Booknight draft. I also think um, the players that went after James Booknight, I haven't got the list in front of me right now, but I think there were some, from memory, mm. there were some pretty good players drafted there. And then they drafted back in to take Kai Jones, um, who I, I still actually believe in Kai Jones long-term here. I'm not, I'm not too worried about, well, I am worried about Kai Jones, but I also think there's reason for optimism for Kai Jones is the way I should put it. Um, and you also, you'd hope that those guys were helping you by like, you know, into their sophomore season. Now they begin to be showing a bit more of a role. And I mean, neither of them seem anywhere close to the rotation. Um, so I, yeah, I'd say 2021. I actually quite liked the the picks themselves of McGowan's and Williams. I, I like, I had Williams ranked 11th last year. I had McGowan's as a first round pick on my board. So like, I like both those picks. I just hated the Durin trade. Right. Uh, but the whole reason they made the trade, and I've I've heard various reasons for this. I, I don't think they made it to save salary. I think they made it for the reason of we just don't want too many young guys on a team that we think is a playoff team. And we don't want to fill the roster with young prospects. We, there's already too many, you know, Kai Jones, James Booknight already out the rotation when the team is four, missing four players with an injury. Um, so I think that's why they I think that's why they made the trade. I, I know there's various theories about it and we will never know but we'll never know and we also don't really know i mean i think we've heard that mj has kind of taken more of a back seat as the seasons have gone along but you do wonder how much influence he's had over the seasons you know may maybe mitch has that control in that room during draft time and so maybe more of the blame should be on him but that's something that we'll never know really either no uh i don't think we will but I, I, I do think you, you heard from the, the Clifford comments recently. I do think Kupchak, Buzz, and MJ are very much on the same page, which is probably like a good thing from an organization point of view. <laughs> You'd want to say normally like, oh, everyone's on the same page. That's good. Not if they're on like the wrong page. <laughs> you want people trying to get MJ to flip to a different page, which maybe isn't happening that we would hope. But um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd probably go for a C. You've gone for C plus. Um, I think this next draft, you know, if they get number one and two, it's clear what they do. If they get number three, that is a difficult situation. And I think that will be, that will be the ultimate decider on if is Mitch Kupchak a good drafter, because if they pick number three and they don't get an impact player um, down the line, then, then that I think will be all she wrote for, for Mitch Kupchak. Uh, looking forward now in future years. Totally agree. Okay. Uh, any lasting thoughts before you want to get out of here, Richie? No, no, not at all. I think we covered a lot here and uh, these are definitely topics on the minds of a lot of different Hornets fans. And I'm glad we had this conversation. They absolutely are. And I, we have gone 30, we've got 35 minutes right here. And I said, we'd be under 30. I should have known three topics for 30 minutes are too long, but it was good conversation. I didn't want to cut it short. Uh, but yeah, Richie, appreciate you coming on the pod. Appreciate it, man. All right, see you next time.